Today on The Breakdown, some people say the best word in the English language is (laughs) is race (laughs) because they love poker so much. (laughs) Some other people might say it's call because they made this amazing call. Some other people, they might argue it's fold because they hear someone say fold when they bluff someone. But I'm here to tell you it's none of those words. (laughs) It's Jason Jason Coon is the best word in the English language. <laughs> Why you ask? Because he's he's got it all. He's got the poker play and savantness. He's you know he's swole. He's smart. He's uh, he's probably you know one of the best players in the world. He does feature in this hand that we're doing, believe it or not, which is from high stakes poker, and. Uh, He's going to be asked some questions, poker questions. I mean, not actually, but the, the bets will be asking questions. And will he be swole enough to answer these questions? We're going to find out right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. So this is coming out about a month after we recorded, but the time that we're recording it, we're commemorating about a year of pandemic lockdown. Yeah. I've been here for a year. Have you become entirely untethered from reality? (laughs) Is that what that was about? I mean, I do a straightforward opening with the narrative and you give me shit for not being more out there. I do an out there one. You're like, are you, are you crazy? Would you like me not to react to the opening? No, I like when you react. I'm just saying like, no matter what I do, it's never good enough. I was. I didn't say it was bad. I was asking if you were tethered to reality. <laughs> I mean, how would I be able to answer that? Because if I say I'm not, that doesn't make any sense, right? That means to some degree I am, that I'm aware that I'm not. And if I say that I am, then I wouldn't be... Tr- well, there's a way to know me. if you're tethered to reality. It's like the guys who say if they're lying, you know, the other one's lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guys who <laughs> say if the other one's lying. You know, lying. When you go to the thing and there's two doors, one's to heaven, one's to hell. And one of the guys always tells the truth. The other guardian always fucking lies. And you can only ask one question. What do you do? How do you ask? What do you say? It's like those guys, sort of. You can't trust what they say. They're always lying. Anyway, go ahead. What were you There's a say? way to tell if you're tethered to reality okay. or not. If you can see that undulating like um, wormhole in front of your belly button, like Donnie Darko style, yeah, that means you are tethered to reality. <laughs> That's a problem. If you can't see it, that means you're not tethered. Huh. Well, I'm here to report I cannot see an undulating wormhole. Really, any wormhole. Undulating or not. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. You know what I'm talking about from Donnie Darko? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that movie? I thought it... You know, I saw it first when I was like 14. Yeah. So I was like supposed to think it was really deep. I think it was pretty good, but I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. I just saw it when it came out and it always seemed like it was trying hard to be intellectual. And I, I didn't think it was as intellectual as it was trying. But I wonder if I, upon a rewatch all these years later, if I would still feel that way or if I would really like it. I think I would like, I, I'm wondering if I'd like it more now. Yeah. Noah Wiley's in that movie. And so is Drew Barrymore as the teachers. Yeah. The cool teachers. <laughs> Uh, maybe I was thinking about Donnie Darko because this was suggested by Mike D'Angelo, who's oh. like one guy in the world who probably knows more about movies than you, Jonathan Levy. I'm sure Mike D'Angelo knows more about movies than me See, and probably has much more and better opinions about movies than me, which is insane to say. And I immediately rescind that. Now, you can't have a quality of an opinion about a movie. You can understand the form of art better. Maybe he understands the art form behind the movie better than you do. But 
all opinions are valid, Jonathan, are when it comes to the judgment of art. Is that not the case? Well, but, but like, there might be, like, okay, so for example, I remember saying to, who was this? Some, some smart friend of mine. Uh, Santa Claus? <laughs> it may have been Santa Claus. Oh, it was, it was our, my poker playing friend, Chris Leslie, who's like novelist. He's like an artistic type. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like lives in Brooklyn now. He and like, it's not a surprise. Likes to wear loafers and drink scotch and talk about artistic things. This is actually true. He yeah. loves to drink scotch and he's a very nice guy. Yeah, I've um, met him. He's a nice guy. But I remember at one point saying to him, you know, why would Superman ever have a secret identity? That's ridiculous. You know, he could just be Superman. It's so stu- Why would you waste your time being a reporter? I give up and, you know, I do my normal. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> And he, like, took a second and then gave a very thoughtful and reasoned response as to why Superman might have a super secret identity. Now, I will say, that's fucking bullshit. Of course you wouldn't have a secret <laughs> identity if you're Superman. But I was, like, so blown away by how much more thoughtful his take on it was than mine. And I conceded the point right away. I was like, yeah, okay. That was better than anything I And that's said. Mike D'Angelo to you. That's probably... I'm guessing that's Mike D'Angelo. So if Mike, I'm like, I love Memento. And Mike D'Angelo is like, well, obviously my fucking review is on the cover of the Memento DVD. But let me tell you why, you know, this other Christopher Nolan movie is better. And I'd be like, he's like, Dunkirk is the shit. And I'd be like, I was bored. He's like, well, you were wrong to be bored. Yeah. And I'd be like, I guess I was wrong to be bored, Mike D'Angelo. No, you know, I think this is a philosophical thing that yeah. I, I disagree with that. I think when trying to form an unbiased opinion of an any any piece of art movie included yeah if if you remove yourself from all all reviews you've seen about it before try to try to remove all bias sure i think all opinions are valid whether or not people agree with them or not whether or not they're coming from a place of intelligence or stupidity it doesn't really matter still a valid opinion but okay on one level i certainly agree with that point i really do on another level though there are like there are times when people don't understand what they just saw or weren't really paying attention to what they just saw. Well, that, okay. so then I, I'm going to lower the validity of their opinion as a result. And I, there are certain movies where okay. they really aren't going to get what happened if they aren't really paying attention or if they just don't get it. Okay. I should have made it more clear. I thought it was implicit that they actually watched the entire movie and paid attention. Okay. But they could do that and still not get the movie and still not understand it. Right. Well, then their opinion could be it's too confusing, and therefore I don't like it. That that could be their opinion, yeah. but that may not be their opinion. Their opinion may not be it's too confusing. That may be what's really going on, but that may not be what they're saying and stating, right? And so I'm saying what they're saying is saying may be kind of invalid because the actual thing that's going is it was too confusing for them. They're like, oh, it was this, it was boring, it was it was dumb, and it's like, no, it was none of those things. You just didn't get the fuck what was going on. Well, I guess I can see where you're going. I invalidate your opinion as a result. I think there's something to that. Um, that, that's a slippery slope, though, because yes. then if you have a sufficiently complex movie, you could say all opinions on it are invalid. Well, no, you just have to hear with depth why someone didn't like it, and if they can talk about it, much like Chris Leslie with Superman, yeah. where I'm like, oh, no, that's very valid. Like, okay, that wasn't just a dumbass take. That was totally a valid take, whether I agree with it or not, you know? So, so okay. I... I, I I'm going to push back a little bit, although I, I do like your overall point, and actually think to some degree it's a movie's job to be understood more than it's the, the viewer's job to understand it. Although some movies feel like it's clearly the viewer's job to understand it. Tenet comes to mind if you haven't seen that yet. Uh, like, oh my God, it's like, fuck you, figure it out, I don't care. That's most of Tenet. I guess I want to push a little further on this okay. one and with an example of a medium that you understand far less than, than movies. Let's say like uh, art in museums. Yeah, right? sure. Like there's you know this joke of like, there actually was art that was just a blank canvas, yeah. right? And that was art. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? 
Okay, so before I took art class in college, I thought everyone's opinions on art were, was valid. Once I took art class, I actually f- changed my mind on that quite a bit, which is like, if you can, like, you have to know with certain pieces, you have to know what to look for. You have to understand what's going on, meaning like what the artist is going for and stuff like that. And then like, there are things that I thought was stupid where once I understood that stuff, I grew to deeply appreciate the art. I, don't so I would argue that my first opinion wasn't necessarily, not, not invalid, but didn't have the same level of gravitas or weight as what I understood what was going on. Validity is, is binary. Okay. Well, fine. Fine. Then that's fair. That's fair. You could say, you can say everything's valid with art. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Mike D'Angelo gets it. Does he? I mean, does that guy really know what he's talking about? I mean, Memento came out in 95. I mean, give me a big deal. I mean, it didn't. When did it come out? Like 99. Close enough. Actually, no, it was 2000. It was 2000. Okay. Maybe even 2001. Memento came out in 1983. It was 2000. It was... I remember going... I saw the movie, and I went back and saw it again a week later, because I was so so excited to see it again and, like, take it in, you know, and, like, try and figure out what the hell was going on. Did you use the early internet to try to read... About theories about the movie? It was too early for that. Yeah. That wasn't really in play. No, I just saw it again and tried to figure out what the hell was going on. And then I bought the DVD and watched it a bunch more times. And every time I watched it, I got a little little further down the rabbit hole. What's going on is Joey Pants. Yeah. Love me some Joey Pants. He's dead, right? Is he? I feel like he's dead. I don't think he's dead. I feel like he's dead. I hope he's not. Is he dead to me or is he dead to everyone? He might have died. I don't I'm know. pretty sure he died. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. I'm saying he's dead. Because I Joe Pantoliano is who we're talking about. Yeah. Also dead. Oh, let's find out. Let's find out. I, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to know already. Also dead, uh, Phil Helmuth. No, he's alive. Oh. Joey Pants or Phil Helmuth? Joey Pants is alive. Oh, okay, great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. He's 69 years old. Oh, wow. I guess that's what happens. We all get I mean, older. yeah, he, his heyday was like, you know, 20 years ago. So you're imagining 50. I mean, he was like 48. I mean, old. yeah, when Memento came out, he was like 49 years old, which I would have guessed he was like 33. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, good for him then. Like an old look, a really old looking 33. <laughs> <laughs> That's why wouldn't you just assume he's the age that he looks like? he's in the movies. <laughs> I mean, so is Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he plays, he plays old guys. And he's actually 33? No. He's like 45. He is older than that now. Because every moment you He's in his mid-50s, maybe? It's unclear, and it doesn't matter. Yelling at is chairs. Is he still alive? He's yelling at chairs, yeah. He's yeah. alive. Not for much longer. <laughs> well, that was like 2012 that he yelled at a chair. It was 2012. Yeah. Not his brightest moment. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Moving along. Mike D'Angelo did suggest his hand. He did it on Twitter. We are the poker guys. That's where you should suggest hands. Include a video link and timestamp it or else, you know, we won't find it. Yeah. We want to find it. We want to see the hands that you suggest. Yeah. And this is a hand between two players in the same session, about 40 minutes apart from a hand we've already done, which makes it kind of interesting. This actually predates that hand by about 40 minutes. It's uh, Jake Daniels, not Jack Daniels, Jonathan, you're going to make a booze joke. Bourbon. And Jason Kuhn, the the best word in the English language. Is it? (laughs) That's a weird thing to say. Is he swole (laughs) enough to answer the question? (laughs) That is one of my most famous, favorite sayings. (laughs) One of my most famous sayings. I'm very famous for saying that 20 minutes ago that only Grant Denison has heard by this time. By the time it gets out there in the world and people are listening to it, it might be one of my most famous sayings. Grant. Yeah. Um, That, but seriously, is he swollen enough to answer this question? <laughs> it's one of the, my favorite things I've ever said in my entire life. That's a good so. thing. It was good. That was yeah. good. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes the opening is like, can I make Grant laugh? Or, or, or can I make myself laugh? Or can I stop yeah. myself from laughing? Actually, is a lot of it, too, as you may have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time, I'd say about two, two and a half years ago, where maybe one third of the openings, you would end up laughing so hard that you couldn't finish. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't funny. Like, I was I wa- like, it, you weren't making me laugh. Whereas yes. in this opening, I did think it was funny and I enjoyed it along with you. Yeah. At those times, you were just setting yourself into some sort of like. <laughs> Flying off into the universe mentally thing. I, oh, yeah. I would come up with these scenarios like, you know, it's an old west town and Barry Greenstein is the sheriff walking out of the saloon, do this whole paint a whole picture. And I would really struggle to get through it because it was so absurd and funny to because me. Because you're casting against type? No, no, no. Not because of that. I think Barry Greenstein would be a great Oh, yeah. You sheriff. think you could play a sheriff in an old west town? <laughs> sure. Why the not? The most meek and mild sheriff in one of those movies ever. He's a good shooter. It doesn't matter. That's true. You know, as long as you see bad enough, you're good. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about that with Barry, huh? Yeah, he's Barry's going to see bad. Do you think that's still happening when he plays poker? Yes. That you see bets 100% still? I kind of do. I kind of do. Is it? Po- I would guess he does that except against maybe the very, very best competition, right? He probably knows he can't see bet 100% of the time against like Phil Ivey. Yeah. But, but he's usually not playing against Phil Ivey probably, right? Barry Greenside actually I think is one of the guys, the first time I ever heard someone say this, where he talked about that almost all the money he had won in poker was playing against bad competition, and that was like very much on purpose. Yeah. You know, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why would you play against the very best players in the world when you can play against not the best players in the world and win, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you really think you see betting to the extent that he used to like high stakes poker season one where he was... Like, there was the one hand where he had, I think, six, seven of diamonds, and it was an ace, deuce, four, all spade board. He got called by four players, <laughs> and he C-bet that flop. I kind of think he still do. I think old dog new tricks is tough uh, with yeah, this stuff. maybe. Like, how many poker players have we played with who are... Now, not to Barry Greenstein. I mean, Barry Greenstein level. was playing at the highest stakes of the time back yes. then, you know? I don't know that he was winning at the highest stakes. Maybe the not. I would guess he probably wasn't because of these kinds of things, these kinds of behaviors that he was... Why wasn't he changing them then? I mean, now I it's... Know. Now, maybe he's read more about all this stuff and heard more about people even critiquing these kinds of plays. But my guess is he probably just thinks, yeah, it works mostly. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Anywho, enough about Barry Greenstein. Yeah. Back to Jason Kuhn's swollenness. <laughs> if, if, he's, if it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find out. Okay. All right. So the other hand we did occurs about 40 minutes after this hand. And we had never seen or heard of Jake Daniels before. But um, And Jason Kuhn made a, a loose call on the river against him. So what we should have done, I'm just thinking, is done both these hands in one podcast, right? That's really what we should have done. Well, we hadn't put had this together. one suggested yet. So. Oh, well, that would have been tough. Yeah. But if you were on top of it, maybe we would maybe if you were on top of it, how would I have been on? If top If you of were it? swollen enough, <laughs> well, I would only be swollen enough to answer a question, not be on top of something. The question: Are you on top of it? Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah, hoisted by my own petard. And I hate when that happens. All right, so Jake Daniels is going to open the action in this straddled pot. Okay. Uh, it's high stakes poker. The big blind is eight hundred. Daniels is the big blind. Coon is in the straddle. So sixteen hundred for the straddle. Yes, Daniels has one hundred and twenty k in front of him. He's got king of clubs, three of hearts. He's going to make it four k. This immediately feels terrible to me. More, make it more. Yeah. Jason Coon's call. I assume they're very deep, right? Uh, well, Daniels has actually only got one hundred and twenty k. Still, yeah. make it more. Coon's going to call in position with such a crazy wide range when you don't make it. When you only make it like two and a half x. There. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make it three and a half X? I don't know. Add another 1,600. Make it 5,600. He's not going to auto call anymore. 
It's four thousand more. He's going to fold sometimes. It's make uh, it six thousand. It feels it feels very wrong to me against a player like especially against Jason Kuhn. Like oh my god, out of position against Jason Kuhn with King three off sounds great. I mean, you got a blocker, fine. Raise, fine. Make it a lot more. Yeah, or you can limp. You are also allowed to fold, but I think raising is fine as long as you do do a size. I think raising out. is probably the best me choice. Too. Me but too. Definitely has to be more. This, I mean, this is something when we did the other hand is we were pretty sure this guy was an amateur. Yeah. Right. So this would then make sense where he's just doing normal sizing. He's doing two and a half X sizing and he's not taking into account that it's blind versus blind. And then he's in the small blind. Yeah. Especially. And it's, well, it's a straddle even. So there's more, oh, dead, God. There's even more dead money in the pot. Yeah. But like, he's acting as if like he's opening like plus two or something right. like that or, or in any position really that is, you know, uh, you know, under the gun to the button. And to our point, Jason Kuhn, who has half a million in front of him, has ten mm. five off and says, I'm going to call you with a really bad hand. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Which makes me think this guy is probably an amateur if Jason Kuhn actually feels comfortable saying that to him. Yes. And like revealing anything about anything. Yes. Right. I like think he's right. not he's not going to do that against an elite pro. He would never say that to Jason Mercier. Right. Right. Jason Mercier is probably not playing these stakes anymore, is he? No, I don't think so. I mean, ever since he got outed as a, quote, bad reg yeah. uh, back in the day, uh, we haven't really seen him playing at stakes, these kinds of stakes. Now, maybe he is and we don't see it, but we never see it. Yeah. Ever. So he's not at least doing it on TV. He was winning so many tournaments for like a five-year period yeah. there. That was odd. Yeah, I wonder, what, I wonder how things are going now. I mean, he can't be a bad reg having won that that might, maybe maybe in cash games in he cash is. Games, maybe, maybe he's a terrible cash game player. Who knows? I mean, just terrible compared to the uh, yeah, his, relative to the the peers that he's the peers against. and his, and relative to his success in tournaments. Right, you know, right. I'm sure he'd be a winning you know ten twenty players probably. Yeah. Anyway, Jason Kuhn's going to call with a ten five off after announcing it was a bad hand. Okay, that might play into things actually. Yes, it might. It's kind of interesting. It's uh. Now, you can't just trust Jason Kuhn to be telling the truth there, but kind of felt genuine when he said it. Yeah, I think he's going to be telling the truth a lot when he says that. You yeah. know, not all the time by any means, but a fair amount of the time. I would guess more than half the time he's actually calling you with a bad hand when he yeah, says that. Yeah, I think so. Just think about my experience I, with I live poker. I hadn't really thought about that, but the way this hand plays out, it might have something to do with, with some decisions that are made. I mean, I didn't see that part of the hand until you just reported it. I just watched The River with you yeah. when you were writing all the stuff down, and uh, I think it is going to play into it. At least, it, or at least it should. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. And then, ooh, the metagame. The metagame, indeed. It's kind of fun there. Let's get into we're gonna, it. We're going to get there. We're going to get into it after we talk about nitrogen. Nitrogen. It's where you go when you're happy. It's where you go when you're sad. It's where you go when you're happy. It's <laughs> where you go when you're sad. <laughs> Thank you for the backup. That was good. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Tell them about the link. The link. Oh, tell them about no, it. actually it's... like substance. Let's go. Oh, the link is something you click on in this podcast description. And then you. Stop rapping. Oh, okay. I'm letting you out of it. Okay. Uh, then you uh, then you get to sign up for Nitrogen, and it's yeah. awesome because it gets you free, cool stuff like access to our incredible Poker Guys monthly tournament grant. Jonathan's very aggressively pointing as he I'm speaks. I'm not. That's a lie. Oh, it's true, though. <laughs> but he knows you can't see. No one, no one can ever verify No one will this. ever know. It's just you know my word against his. Whose opinion is more valid, Grant? If, we, if they're the same amount of validity, then I can, I can just say I'm not pointing at it right now, and no one can say otherwise. I don't think that is a good analogy to our to, previous discussion. Well, that's your opinion, man. A good analogy for nitrogen sports is heaven, though, to be clear, because nitrogen sports is where we have our elite tournament that Jonathan briefly mentioned. It is such a good tournament because they guarantee a thousand buy-ins, yet they only allow 300 players in. That means there is for sure 
an enormous overlay every time. And by the way, it's a Bitcoin-only poker site. They haven't reduced the guarantee despite Bitcoin going up for quite a long time Don't now. Don't tell anyone, Don't guys. tell Nitrogen, guys. But that means that there's like, you know, anywhere between $3,000 and $5,000 in overlay. I mean, what the fuck? I, it's, it's good. It's a good deal. They're giving away like $60,000 a year right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like it's three to $5,000 in overlay, and that's a small percentage of the, of the right. prize pool. It's a significant percentage of the it's prize like pool. It's like way more than the rest of the prize it pool. It means that there's a lot of money out there expected value-wise for you when you enter this tournament. Use the link. Get on Nitrogen. It's like 80% of the prize pool. Yeah. It's a good deal. You need to be mathematically seeing this, people. Right. Yeah. You have something to say? Good. No, I'm great. Okay. Mathematically seeing this, it's fine. It's what people say. People say that. I mean, haven't you seen a beautiful mind? He's mathematically seeing it. Huh. Well, he kind of is when yeah. I say that. He kind of is. Yeah. He also, though, is seeing Paul Bettany. But Paul Bettany never ages, man. <laughs> you know? He never ages. You mean the actor or the... No. Well, no. I mean the, the character in A Beautiful Mind. Ah. The little girl never gets older, neither does Paul Bettany. Because they're figments. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, you spoiled that Also one. the birds. The girl, you know, there's that, it's a cool little thing if you're really paying attention. The girl runs through the park at one point and there's birds on the ground and they don't, she just runs right through them and they don't like fly away because she's not really there. But like no one would notice that, of course. But it's cool. Got it's any little... other spoilers? <laughs> I mean, yes. I have many, many more spoilers. Do you want to hear them? Uh, did, did he actually break bad in the end? He did. He broke bad. Okay. You would think so. It's called breaking bad. Yeah. Not like breaking bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It broke bad. Yeah. That's it. Okay. All right. So we're going to head to the flop. We've got king three off for Jake Daniels out of position. King of clubs, three of hearts. Jason Kuhn has 10 of spades, five of diamonds. The pot is $9,200. Okay. The flop is ace of spades, 10 of clubs, six of hearts. Sure. Pretty clear and obvious C-bet for Daniels, right? 100%. Pretty clear and obvious small C-bet for Daniels, right? I don't know why you would do anything else. That's what he does. 2,700. Okay. Into 92. Jason Kuhn, pretty clear and obvious call, right? Nothing else to do. I mean, you can raise if you want to do some weird stuff, what? like blocking we... blocking two pairs and sets. And, uh, but, like Maybe what? down the line, that will become a thing that people do sometimes because you have to add different layers to your game against the elite people, but feels like a weird thing to do. I think especially this hand feels like such an obvious call. And that is what Jason Kuhn does. Cool. Pot is $14,600. Okay. The turn is the ace of hearts. Hey, second ace. Yep. So now the board reads ace of spades, six of hearts, 10 of clubs, ace of hearts. It is a second heart, which can play a factor sometimes. Yeah. This is a card that a lot of people are going to shut it down on. Yes. In, in, in Daniel's seat. What do you think? How do you approach this situation if you're Daniels? Well, okay. So I would assume... Okay, I would assume it was going to be hard to get an ace to fold anyway. So the second ace in some ways is good because it means there's less aces for Kuhn to have. But it also means that like folding out a 10 feels like really hard to do. There's less aces for us to have. Yes, that too. Um, Of course, that's why folding out a 10 is harder. Um, I wonder if we're going to successfully fold out other pairs that aren't a 10, i.e. a 6 mostly, right? Because we don't think Kuhn has any pocket pairs Almost ever when he says, I'm going to call you with a really bad hand. If we believe him, yeah. yeah. I mean, and he doesn't usually actually have a gut shot either. I guess you could have... No, because like the worst gut shot he could have is 7-9. Seven, seven, yeah, 7-9, seven, 7-8, seven, something yeah, like that. Yeah, which is like... that. You wouldn't call that a really bad hand. I don't think you would. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have the Broadway combos either, if, he, if we're to believe if him. If we're going to really believe him. Yeah. yeah. But, but certainly we can eliminate... Almost certainly eliminate pocket pairs no matter what. Like, yeah. Uh, almost always. So... 
The question is, can we fold out a six if we, if, because when this ace comes? Because we assume we're not folding out a 10. But can we, if you call us with a really bad hand, he has a hand like... Queen six or queen something? Queen six, yeah, like 10 deuce, queen six. Those are the kinds of hands that come to mind, right? Yeah. Because uh, all the other sixes that are lower than a 10 are, are like... Six not deuce. That, a six, six deuce is bad. Yeah. But everything else that you would say... Six three off, about, you might say that? Maybe you would, but in position, it's not that bad. You but might maybe, say it. But he might say it, especially to an amateur, yeah. like because when you turn it over, jack later, six, queen bad. six. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even six four off. I guess we could decide. Yeah, we could, we could pretend is a bad hand in this spot. It's not really, but um, so the question is, can we fold out a six? I think that's that's the that's the thing that'd be going through my mind here. Is until should I bet? Because that's the only thing I assume I am able to fold out here. I think. I think Kuhn, unless he thinks Daniels is just a maniac, would be folding most of his sixes yeah. just from distribution perspective. I think we should bet again because when Kuhn says I'm calling with a really bad hand, he probably has more sixes than tens. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. Yeah, I don't know if that's it's, true. I don't know either now that I say 10 it. 10 deuce, 10 3, 10 4, 10 5. Yeah, those are all bad hands. Um, those are King, the only really bad ones, though. King six, is that even a really bad hand? I don't hand? think that qualifies as is a bad qu- hand. I mean, we're saying queen six. I guess queen six. Queen okay. six off has like a gross feel queen to six, it. Queen six, jack off, six deuce. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> queen six, jack off. <laughs> <laughs> queen six, jack six, six deuce, six three, maybe six four off. It's pretty close. Yeah. Okay, but if we're going to fold out like even somewhere in the general neighborhood of half of his range, or if we can get it close to that, then this is a great bet. We don't have to bet full pot. This is going to make us money. We should bet. Well, that's what he does. He bets 8,100 into 14,600. Great. We, we don't even have to fold out all the sixes then. Mm, no yeah. problem. Now, as Kuhn, we do have a 10. Yeah. Let's assume we didn't say that thing pre-flop okay. for a little bit of this analysis. Like, this isn't great that he's betting again. No. It doesn't feel great. I mean, look, if this is a uh, World Series of Poker tournament, I'm up against a normal, competent player, and I've got a hand like this in this spot and they bet on the turn, it's often a fold. Yes. Because I'm like, they're just, they're just not betting again with almost all of their range. It doesn't have me beat. I have a question that's going to bake into the river as well. Okay. Um, if we're in Kuhn's seat, do we think Daniels has jacks, queens, and kings for value? I doubt it. I think we're usually expecting a check there and not a bet. Okay, I so think. it's just ace-deuce plus. I think so. Do you agree with that? Mostly, yes. But if we're now adding back in the I have a really bad hand thing, then uh, and you believe him if you're Jake Daniels, yeah. you should probably bet like Jack 10 plus, right? Yeah, it's not bad. Also, you could, you could bet um, Jack 10 plus because even when you're up against, let's say, Ace Deuce here, which obviously isn't great. If since Jason Kuhn said I have a really bad hand, if we're believing him at all, even if he has a bad Ace, unless it's Ace 6... He, does, he can't raise us anyway. Yep. A bet's going to go in if we check anyway. We want to try and get value out of the worst hands. We should be betting Jack-10 for value straight up. So actually, if we be, as long as we believe Kuhn with the I have a really bad hand, this is a bet for... This is, we can really widen our value range, okay. which, which is problematic. So as Kuhn, we need to worry then not only about trip aces and full houses, but also about Jack-10 plus. Uh, Jack-10 yes. Jack off, Queen-10 off, King-10 off. Jacks, queens, kings. That's we should a lot have, of hands. We at least have to worry about them. We're not. I mean, we have to. We should have an opinion about whether we think Jake Daniels is capable of betting those. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we do or not, but we should have an opinion. Now, if as Kuhn, we actually are three betting the majority of our aces preflop. This probably, even though it's a bad ten, is too high in our distribution to fold, right? Yeah. I don't know if we're really three betting all of our aces, but we're definitely three betting uh, some of them. Yeah. Right. And yeah. 
I think this is too high in our distribution. Although, what else are we calling with? Well, we have we can fold all the sixes and call with all the tens, yeah. right? Give or take, right? Yeah. And there you go. And that's fine then. And maybe once in a while we can still have an ace, even having said that. Once in a while, maybe we have like, I don't know, are we ever going to have like a pair of sevens here? It seems like really hard for us to have that. It does. It does. Anyway, Kuhn ends up calling. Okay. Pot's $32,800 now. Sure. That's fine with me. <laughs> You're not upset by that? I'm not. No longer. No longer am I upset. But you were upset by that. Before I was upset, but we I'm cool to, now. We had to work through the emotions. But we did. And now here we are. How did you get through it? I talked to someone special. Oh, yeah. Jason Kuhn. <laughs> was he swollen enough? He to was it? swollen enough to answer the question, That's Grant. good. <laughs> <laughs> so I good. feel good about that. Do people still say swole? I don't know. Probably. I feel like people say gains now. We're talking about gains. With a Z. Sometimes if they're cool. If they're drinking Mountain Dew while they exercise. I feel like the cool guys are still saying swole. And it's the losers, the nerds who are saying gains, you know? Yeah, totally. Because it's ironic when you put the Z on it. Oh, yeah. The swole guys are like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the swole guys are like, <laughs> the swole guys are like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Ooh, good times, good times. I'm feeling great. We should join like a bodybuilding club. I mean, why not? You I'm know? not afraid. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's a weird place to go with that. <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get swole. To get swole. Okay. So I can answer questions that's, later. That's that's the value of getting swole. Yeah. All right. Thirty-two thousand eight hundred in the pot. Okay. Ace of spades, six of hearts, ten of clubs, ace of hearts. Yeah. Daniels has king three off. Coon's got ten five off. The river is the ace of clubs. Yeah. This is one that people really shut it down on in Daniel's spot a lot of the time. Absolutely. Do you think shutting it down is the right move? Do you think people are shutting it down too often? Okay. I think in general, people shut it down. People shut it down almost always. You're right. Yeah. Is it too often? Against a thinking player, you can probably get away with more bets here. Against a non-thinking player, you should probably always shut it down. Because of the classic adage that you like to point out that people don't fold full houses. I believe it's Z- maybe Zebo's theorem. That is probably Zebo's theorem. Yeah, like they will not fold. A- the Zebo's theorem is something like a player will never fold a full house no matter what, no matter how much you make it. They'll always call. They'll never, ever fold no matter what. Now, obviously, that's not entirely true, yeah. of course. But, um, but yes, like we're being like, well, I have a boat now. Yeah, and, you know, and fair enough, by the way, there are less aces. Like, if you have a 10, okay, you know. And by the way, the problem is once they call the turn, this card comes, like, like you either have quads, usually you either have quads or nothing, and if they have a six, it's the, it plays the same as a 10 in their mind. Now, they may have lots of reasons to call with 10s and not sixes and so on and so forth, but, like, it's not great. Yeah. So you just, you're just, I would be very worried about getting called, and I would almost always shut down here. And is that right to do? I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe we should be taking more shots here. Like, it's a pretty compelling story to triple barrel. Yeah, I mean, I always shut down, but I always think that people aren't going to fold their full house now. Right. Yeah. I think they usually don't. I think they, like, sort of, like, sigh and call, right? Well, Daniels thinks differently. Yeah. He's like Apple. Exactly. Well, that's think different. Think different, which is not correct. Grandma. No, you should say think differently. Yeah. So, like, Daniels. Yeah, like Daniels. <laughs> he, he disavows the Apple motto and actually adds the L-Y. He, he's still trapped in the ecosystem like all the rest of us. But Oh, yeah. And I mean, literally, like his consciousness <laughs> is on an iPhone. It's, it's a problem, but also it opens up a world of possibilities. It's, you can actually walk inside an app, bro. Oh, Groupon. Amazing. <laughs> so many deals. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I wonder what that does for him in terms of tells when his consciousness is on an iPhone, you know, like like other people trying to pick up tells on him in life. It's okay. hard. If, if the phone rings, it usually means he has a good hand, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like notification sounds and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Got to be careful. Yeah. Okay. You just have to put on silent and do not disturb. I wouldn't disturb. Good. <laughs> is Groupon still a thing? Yeah. Not it as it, it like had its heyday like ten years ago. Oh, though. they're completely fucked. But it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. still a thing right as of right now. Yeah, those all those discounts things still exist. I think it's like mostly like fifty five year old people like get them and like don't really use them but pay for them sometimes and it's it's not gonna last. It's much those long. whole it's stupid that that thing is all of the past. I I went on a vacation to Belize on Living Social. Like using Living Social, which is like the Groupon competitor. I don't, that probably doesn't exist anymore. Like it, it had all the hotel like mm. packages put together. Did you get a good deal? I don't know. It, according to Living Social, I did. It was that was. Did you have a great trip? Yeah, it was a great trip. Okay. Yeah. So at least at least it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Belize is wonderful. Highly recommend it. Anyway. Okay. Good to know. So Daniels thinks differently. Yes. In his iPhone brain, he he decides. I can get June to fold, as I like to call Jason Kuhn. Uh, Not Jacoon? Well, actually, I have that written. I have it written Jacoon and June, both in this note, by accident, both times. And I cool. think they both work. Yeah. I think they both work great. But I'm going with June because it's one syllable, and that's cool. Okay. Like, share. Um, so Daniels really gives himself a shot to get Kuhn to fold the full house by betting 40K into 32,800. That is interesting. Yes. Well, now it looks... I mean, now he's extra polarized. He is. It's really hard to put him on Jack 10 anymore or um, Pocket Jack. Now, I would... I want to talk about that. Yeah. I know. Because I think maybe you can put him on those hands. If if he's to believe Kuhn's speech preflop... By the way, just to believe Kuhn's play preflop, you wouldn't expect him to have Jacks, Queens, or Kings, right? Kuhn? Oh, Kuhn. Of course yeah. not. Yeah. Right. So why wouldn't you bet Jack 10? Because you're to bet forty k into thirty two with Jack Ten. That's what we're talking about. It's not about betting it. It's about betting. Let's this, assume. Let's assume size. we're. Let's assume, let's assume we're betting this size a lot in this scenario. Just for a second. Okay. Is there? Let's forget about the size. Even is there a reason not to bet Jack Ten? What are we hoping to get called by? I guess when we're betting a ten, it's the intention is more to fold out a chop than it is to get called by a worse hand. But Jack's plus, can we bet 40K for value? Well, that's an at least an interesting question. We have to be really sure that Kuhn really doesn't have a bad ace here. When yeah. he says, I'm going to call you with a bad hand, that's the only reason we think he doesn't have an ace, right? It's because he said that. Well, it's an easy bet fold. It certainly is. Can we get value when we bet 40 into 32 when we're targeting 10s and worse, 10s and 6s? Mostly 10s. Mostly 10s? Yeah. Can we get value? I don't know. Seems hard. I'm not saying we can't. But it does seem harder. Yeah. Now, maybe this goes to, to our point of like, why are we shutting down then in these, when the third ace comes on the river so often, you know, in these spots? Right. In, instead of like firing one more big bullet if it's, if it's hard to get value from a 10. But we're talking about getting value from a 10 against a, a very good thinking player, not like yeah. your typical salami eating. Salami eating. Do we think this is a mistake, the bet sizing? It seems like you're edging towards thinking this is a mistake and looking transparently bluff like. Well, I don't know if it's bluff like it's just I, I'm really wondering if we can even have kings here when we bet this much. I'm not saying we couldn't bet with kings. I just don't know that we would bet this much because I'd be so I, I I'm wondering if Jake Daniels in the whole poker playing world would be worried about what can call me when I when I overbet this much. I guess a hero call can call yeah. me. And so fair enough. 
an ace is raising anyway, no matter how much I bet. So it's yep. just a question of how much am I going to lose, right? Because it's the nuts either way. Everything else is only calling or folding. Yeah. So there is that. I mean, it would be super sick to bet 40K into 32 with two jacks here. Yes, right? it would. That would be like the super sickest play. This guy's an amateur. It seems like it's asking a lot to give him that. That's a lot of credit. So we're him. saying he has quads or a bluff. I think he's repping quads or bluff when he bets this much. Do you, he's, he's betting 125% yeah. of the pot on the river. That said, there's a fair number of quad combos available to him. He has all of them. Yeah. I think literally everyone in the book, right? Yeah, so it's a lot. It ends it's up a being a fuckload. Yeah. And most people traditionally shut down on the Turner and or river when they don't have it. Yeah. So there's that. So maybe the sizing is not a, a great story overall, but it's still enough that it's profitable, perhaps? It's probably, yeah, probably. I, I mean, it's weird because he bets big and it's scary, but if he bet 12K into, uh, what is it, 32? That would be terrifying, too, if you have a 10. It feels like, I mean, you're just milking me. Like, you always have it, don't you? Like, why would you bet 12? Maybe we're chopping sometimes. Like, do you ever have worse than a 10 and bet 12K after I've gone call, call, call? doesn't seem like it. Right. Yeah. A 12K might be a scarier bet. I think 12K is a scarier bet because now we're not as polarized, but it's like, so cool. I'm either chopping or I'm losing. Well, it doesn't really add that many things. Well, jacks, queens, and kings. It's nine combos. Okay. Or no, that's more than that. But also, (laughs) 18 combos. But also, he might be betting 10 sometimes now. So if we have a six, like we can't just pick, like with a six when he bets 40K, now we have a, now he's polarized. Yeah. I think, I think. So, like, a six is going to be good or it isn't. But now, like, we're up against more combos of value if he bets But it sucks if he bets 40K, we have a six, and we're like, well, I guess he's polarized. I guess maybe I'll call this time because it's a good six, and then he has a 10 because he was trying to get you to fold the chop. I mean, that would suck. But you yeah. have to give him credit for being that good. Because yeah. a lot of players aren't going to ever take that shot. They're going to be like, my hand is good enough. Sometimes I'm up against quads. I don't want to, like, you know, inflate the pot too much by betting more than the pot here. I want to make sure, you know, I'm going to check and... You can't really induce a bluff, so actually maybe betting for value is better, but I'm going to bet small usually. I'm really torn on this sizing by Daniels. Like, it's weird. I think uh, in a way it looks a little bit too polar and a little bit too bluffy, but at the same point, there are a ton of combos of quads available, and you could think that Daniels is going through the thought process of, okay, I have quads and people don't like folding full houses, so I might as well get the maximum. I mean, yeah, and the truth is the other side of it, I have a bluff and people don't like folding full houses, so I better make it a lot so yeah. it's easier to fold the fucking full house. Jason Kuhn is mathy. Yeah. And if you give him, like, worse odds, that should affect his calling range. Yeah. So that's good. So that's, that's a reason to size it up, you know, in either spot. I guess... So I want to ask you if you prefer this or a 12K bet. Wow. Um, I think... I think I prefer the smaller sizing. I think it just tells a more believable story um, against a 10. But of course, it's so much easier for a 10 to call, which is the problem, but also makes it kind of awesome. It makes it more believable. We don't have to be right as often. We don't have to get it through as often either. Now, if we add back in and mix it back into the mix, the Jason Kuhn statement pre-flop, yes. does that make it feel more like Daniels could bet 40K with Jacks? It does. I still don't know if he'd actually do it. Right. But let's, but yes. let's give him some credit and okay. think like, if Kuhn's going to use distribution, he's going to be like, well, a 10 is the best hand I ever have. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, also, like, Kuhn could sit there and think like, yeah, like, not only is a 10 the best hand I ever have, he may know that a 10 is the best hand I ever have. Because yeah. I said that so sincerely, and we both know I'm not lying in that spot. Yeah. So, like, I never have an ace. I never have pocket jacks. So I chop with all 10s. Here we are. Yeah, I mean, I could see it 
this 40K like being a weird spot then if you're a coon? And then the question is, should I, can I make an exploitative fold or not, right? Or an exploitative call, by the way. Yeah, so how do you deal with this if you're coon? Well, if I'm coon and I don't know what the guy has and I think he's bluffy at all, I think it's a pretty quick call because I said that. Yeah. If I didn't say anything and he goes bet, 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 and it's over, I think it's an easy fold. I mean, I probably a, fold the turn sometimes, yeah. but certainly on the river I fold. It's a stronger line if... if Kuhn didn't say that because then you add more quads back into Kuhn's range. Yeah, Kuhn absolutely has aces yeah. some of the time here. Um, and also Kuhn thinks he's getting taken advantage of a little bit less because he said that thing. Yeah. You know, like maybe I'm getting picked on more because I, I weaken my range so much. Um, all that's gone. Um, so do you think Kuhn has to call because this is the best hand he ever has? I think it's at least a fucking argument for calling. It's a really good argument for calling. So are we saying we're folding 100% of our hands in this spot for when, when we've taken this exact line, including saying that thing? Which admittedly may never happen again, but here we are. And like literally in this spot, we're always folding to a big bet on the river no matter what. Ugh. If this guy's tight, okay, but we probably should have folded the turn if this guy's tight. The guy's not tight. Doesn't right. seem like it. right. In fact, the other hand that we did, which takes place 40 minutes later on an ace high board, I think he triple barrels. It's a king high board. Okay. But, um, and Kuhn calls him down with queens. And I don't even remember what he has, but he has a, he has a set of kings. set of kings? Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's got him beat. Pretty yeah. Hard. And Kuhn like goes, call, call, call. Yeah. And it's like, Kuhn obviously doesn't think this, this, thinks this guy's capable of bluffing. Right. And triple barreling and all that. So if that's the case, like, this is a reasonable hand to call with here. We're also going to chop sometimes, which is not so bad, you know? It's not, not great. We're, not we're great. putting in 40 to win 16, but that's better than, you know, putting in 40 to win nothing, which, you know, sometimes we get, we get some money back. Like, and sometimes we pick off the bluffs. Turns out we would this time. I know. But we don't. No. He's not swole enough to answer the question. He can't answer the question with his current level of swole. Yeah. Yes. So I think this is probably kind of a, an unusual event, right? Because Kuhn said the thing that probably is in his head a little bit. Also, Daniel's betting this much is probably an unusual event. Yes. And that all leads Kuhn to make what is, in the moment, the wrong decision. I don't know if I can blame him for it, because you don't often see bets this size. Especially out of an amateur. Yeah, a triple barrel line on this polarizing board. Yep. So I get it. And I wonder if, I wonder if this hand informed his later decisions. Like, If they're streaming, he probably yeah. found out that this was a bluff. And then he's like, oh. Yeah. And then he fucked himself twice by not <laughs> calling here. <laughs> Maybe he calls the other one anyway, but... He probably does. Well, the, the other one was a lot more costly than this one. I yeah. mean, like, he lost, like, very little money in this one, actually. Whereas, well, that's true. But, of yeah. course, he could have won money in yeah. this one. That's the, he could have won, what, like, 60K or something. Right. Right. What a weird one. Really weird one. This is one of those spots where, like, you know, we do all this stuff. We talk all this stuff. But, like, you know, if you go back to distribution, it's not always going to be right. And sometimes we can make exploitative plays. But, like, it's really going to help a lot. Yeah. I mean... Distribution once we include the statement, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like we're like the true distribution yeah. of the spot. Yeah. Interesting. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.